Welcome everybody to the Diecast Movie Podcast. For this episode, we have a special interview brought to you by my dad. Take it away, Dad. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of the Diecast Movie Podcast. You'll be hearing the interview of Son of Ghoul in just a minute. Just remind everybody that we're heading gearing up for the Monster Bash, October's Monster Bash, 14th for the 16th of 2022. I'm looking forward to it. Monster Bash preview is episode 124, where I get to talk to Ron Adams about who's coming to Monster Bash, what Monster Bash is like, and we also talk about Dracula versus Frankenstein. So that's a fun episode. I hope everybody goes back to listen to that one, episode 124. Some of the guests that are coming, I have I've interviewed prior, like Bill Diamond. He's back way back on episode 22. So if you want to learn more about Bill Diamond, if you haven't met him before, talk to him. Go back to episode 22. And Jeremy Ambler, who was at the Mid-Atlantic Nostalgia Convention, is coming to the Monster Bash. And he was episode 120. And, of course, I'm going to be interviewing the son of Ghoul, who's going to be there, as you'll be hearing in a minute. Some episodes that are going to be coming up in the future. I interviewed David The Rock Nelson, and he's going to be coming out in October. And I'm going to be interviewing Johnny Whitaker, and that episode will be coming out also in October. So you'll get to hear a few of the people that are going to be there. And that way, when you go to them, you'll know some of their stories. And sadly, if you can't get there, at least you'll get a feel for what it would have been like if you were there. So I hope to see everybody there October 14th or 16th. But right now, let's go to the Son of Ghoul interview. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the next episode of the Diecast Movie Podcast. And as we all know, Monster Bash, October Monster Bash is coming up soon. And one of the people that's going to be there, a fixture of every Monster Bash I've been to, is Son of Ghoul, Kevin Scarpino. And he's joining me on today's show to talk about how he became Son of Ghoul. We're going to talk about classic movies. We're just going to have a good time chatting. And we're also going to talk about Monster Bash, where you can meet him. Monster Bash, yes, I think it is. And how I you think doing that's today? correct. And how are you doing today? Well, I'm doing fine. I'm... Uh... Uh, a, a little tired. I've been up since like five in the morning. I actually set up today and, uh, did a, did an outdoor flea market. Oh, hopefully. Yeah. I set up and yeah. And uh, it was cool. And, uh, now I have enough money to go to McDonald's and eat. <laughs> and, even, <laughs> and even pay for the gas to get you back and forward. I hope. <laughs> I don't, you know what? I, I, I don't think so. <laughs> But we'll see what happens. Well, you know. Through- no, really. No, I've been, it's, been, it's been a nice day. And uh, and uh, looking forward to talking to you. Well, I, I think I'm looking I'm looking forward to talking to you, too. And like, you and I are talking off mic. For listeners to know, the reason I'm having Son of Ghoul come on, Kevin come on, is earlier, earlier this year I did an episode with my horror host that I had growing up, Count Gordival, Richard mm. Geisel. Right. I thought that's kind of selfish. I got to have my horror host on, you know, yeah, it made me feel great. And, 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 and Richard Dick Dizel was just awesome. But what about all the other people? You know, there's, there's so many other horror hosts out there. So many other people that grew up listening and seeing you. I mean, you've been doing this for what? 36 years. Since 36 you- years. It'll be uh 37 uh, next June. Yeah. Cause you started June 13th, Friday, the uh, 13th. 1986. Yep. yep. I certainly did. I, what, what a date. <laughs> a date in history. <laughs> well, I, when I saw it was June 13th, I had to look it up to see, was that a Friday the 13th? Because it had to have been, and of course it was. So it, it, was like, you, you know, and, and the ironic thing is the movie that I had that week, it was not a horror movie. Really? Yeah. Well, what happened was uh, the station... They bought packages of movies. They actually paid for movies. So they, they'd, get, they'd get, you know, a hundred and some movies. So many of them were dramas. Some of them were musicals. So many of them were like science fiction or horror. And they had to take turns running them in different time slots. So, you know, some of the movies would run prime time at 8 o'clock. It would be the 8 o'clock movie back then, you know. Yep. And then the horror ones would run in my time slot. But when it would get to the last run of some of these movies, they would just spread them out wherever. So it so happened that my first show, the movie was the Gong Show movie with that Chuck Barris. 
Yeah, the Gong Show movie was my first film. I didn't even know that was a movie until now. <laughs> well, you, do you remember the TV show, the Gong Show? I remember the TV show. I never knew it was made into a movie. Yeah, they made a movie called the Gong Show movie. Well, yeah, check it out. It's pretty cool. If you if you like the old Gong Show, oh, and uh, and that's that was my first movie, and then the second week. Uh, then, then it went to uh, some some kind of thriller or a horror movie. Then the second week, but yeah, it was kind of, it was crazy for a horror show, the Gong Show movie. Well, I guess that's pretty frightening in itself. <laughs> yeah, so, I, I can't talk much about it because I haven't seen it yet. So until I see it, I'm uh, I oh, well, you got to check it out. I, I wrote it down, so I am going to check it out now. Oh, good, good, good. <laughs> I think of course my. My movie, I had a TV print, so part of mine was edited for TV. When J.P. Morgan uh, pulls her shirt open and exposes herself, they they, they black it out. Uh, a little, little little black box over the over the little things. <laughs> well, you got to keep it case in case any little kitties were still up that late. Well, plus you know we're broadcast we were broadcast station. So we had to abide by the FCC rules. You know, I mean, I, it was the seven words I couldn't say. And, and we actually went beyond beyond decency back then. I mean, I got away with a lot of stuff. But, I mean, there was no cussing or anything like that. And any kind of nudity or anything in the films was definitely just, just cut out. Although I could tell you, I could tell you a great story about uh, a film that was shown over the air that, that that completely went uncut. Oh, really? If you want to hear about? It. Oh, sure. Well, okay. Well, the station at the time was owned by uh, a company called Media Central, out of uh, Knoxville, Tennessee, and they owned about thirteen stations across the country. One of them being Channel sixty-seven WOAC. Well, they decided, and, and like I say, the station had a little bit of money, so they bought packages of movies. So they decided that they would they would buy the package of movies in Tennessee, and they would make copies of them, and they would send them to all their TV stations. They would be the dub center, and and that's what started happening. And they would actually have the movies uh, timed out with the commercial slugs in it and everything. They're all, they're all ready with a run sheet ready for air. And they sent us out. Well, they advertised that they bought Animal House. The movie Animal House. John Belushi. Yep. And uh, they advertised it. They had a promo going on. And the movie never came in. And, and it finally, like... It was supposed to air like on a Monday night or something. And it finally came in. It was delivered on Friday. Well, my job at the TV station when I wasn't doing Son of Ghoul was I, I was film inspector. So I had to go through every program to see if it was, uh, if it was you know, suitable for air. If, it was, if there was any language, I had to cut it out. and you know. So I naturally took Animal House into the, and I previewed it. And I realized that this was a theatrical print. There was nothing cut out of this movie. Nothing. And, and I'm like, oh, no. Our general manager of the station was kind of a cocky guy, kind of a know-it-all, big cheese, you know? Yep. And so, so I went into his office, and I says, um, sir, uh, we have this movie, Animal House, that just came in. It's supposed to air Monday night. I says, um, have you ever seen the movie? And he says, you know, he looks, yeah, yeah, I've seen it, I've seen it. I says, well, I says, this is a theatrical print. And he says, did it come from Media Central in Tennessee? And I says, yeah, we just got it in today. He goes, put it on the shelf. I said, yes, sir. <laughs> and, and I put that baby on the shelf and it aired that night. And... Uh, <laughs> And it aired over the air, uncut, with all the nudity and language and everything that is in that movie. And, and there's, there's this one part in the movie where the guy has the girl laying on, on back on the bed, and 
the little devil pops up on his shoulder and the little angel pops up on his other shoulder and they're cussing. He's going, you know, ever, ever do this, do that. And, and I call the board operator before this scene comes on. And I said, and he's laughing. He goes, man, he goes, every light and every phone is lit up in this place. <laughs> and, it, it, you know, and, and at that time of night, there was nobody there except the board op, you know? And I says, look, listen, man, I said, you got to do something. I says, and I started explaining that scene to him. I goes, it's coming up soon. I goes, what I want you to do, I says, is I want you to just take the audio on the console and turn it off. I says, during that scene, just drop the audio, turn it off. And what ended up happening is uh, he, he, he hangs up and we hang up. So when that scene came, he thought he'd be slick and he thought he knew the well enough that he had his hand on the audio and he ended up cutting out every other word and what went over the air was fuck shit. I mean it was just unbelievable. <laughs> and 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 I and I actually rolled off the chair at home watching it. I mean crazy stuff like that would happen, you know. I mean it never happened on my particular show, but that was some of the things that happened at the broadcast station that I worked at. And it was kind of funny. That is hilarious because it's like instead of getting the it's he got the f word and not the u you know it's like oh oh yeah it, it, it was it just I just roll I mean in, in in every you know when Belushi takes he climbs the ladder and that girl standing there with her top off all that aired I mean and this is a broadcast station and it, it was just kind of by the way the next day when I went into work they called me into the boss's office and they said we want you to take the movie and go into the edit suite and make us a print that we can air. And I said, okay, I'll do that. But, but you know, like I say, they bought packages of movies for my show and, uh, and it was cool. I had, I had a lot of good titles back in those days, including like, you know, John Carpenter's Halloween and all that. Yeah. Cause I remember like you'd had Halloween and I saw you have some stuff on YouTube where you're doing an intro to Halloween two. And you, you talked about how you did Halloween the day before, or yeah, I think it was the day before. I think you did like a Saturday, Sunday or Friday, Saturday thing. Yeah. Something like that. And, 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 uh, I had some, I even had colorized Turner classics, you know, the hunchback and King Kong and, you know, I, I had all that. It's always, so it was, it was a joy to be able to run, to run all that stuff. Of course now, you know, I mean, now I'm stuck with those public domain losers that everybody has. And uh, that's why I let them down with sound effects and music and different things, make them a little bit more interesting. Yeah, it does make it tough when your budget gets slashed to where it's like, oh, we're going to go for the stuff that's free, and you you lose a lot of options. Well, you know, in this day and age, though, if you, you know, you almost have to do that because everybody's got their hand out, and you know, if you step over the line. They weren't paid for it. And you can't blame people. I mean, you can't blame these companies, but, you know, there's only so many public domain things. That's why, you know, we, 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 to me, I don't know. To me, the, the horror host was was somebody that to, uh, that you looked forward to watching because he was, him or her, was the only different person on the dial. And that's what made everybody unique, I think. Yep. And, but when you got 200 people <laughs> trying to be a horror host, it kind of takes the, kind of takes the gas out of it, I think, and, and, and uh, makes it a goof. You know, I, I don't know. That's just the way I feel about it. Of course, I've been doing this so long, I've soured with my, with my own opinions, which doesn't mean too much, really. <laughs> I wouldn't take it too seriously. Yeah, no, I've met a lot of cool people that, that uh, uh, have come along the way, and they're horror hosts. They have their own thing going, a lot of the internet horror hosts and stuff. I've met a lot of cool people. And then there's some that I, I don't understand what they're doing. Because <laughs> probably they don't understand what I'm doing either, so that's cool. Well, everybody's got their own little way of going about it. but Oh, absolutely. You know, I mean, I don't want to sound negative. Everybody thinks I'm so negative. I'm not negative. I've just been doing this a long time. And fortunately for me, 
I've, I've, I've been lucky enough to be on broadcast stations, you know, the whole time. And I've been on continuously. I think I hold the, the record for being on the longest continuous without a break. I mean, I think Sven Gulli started before me, but he had like a 10-year lapse where he wasn't on the air at all. And I've never been off in almost 37 years. I know. It's, so that's kind of cool. It's pretty impressive. Now, what I want to ask you about is growing up, what kind of movies did you like, you know, were you drawn to? Were you a monster kid growing up and you liked a lot of monster movies or is it, or is it other kind of Oh, movies yeah, too? you know, I mean, you know, I grew up in my first introduction to a horror host and mostly the monster movies was by, you know, Ernie Anderson Gulardi. He was, he was my horror host in Cleveland. So I got to see all those great movies and, and I instantly fell in love with, you know, all the universal classics. I, I loved all that stuff, man. I mean, that's the kind of stuff I like to watch. And at the same time, for me, you know, it all happened. Everything happened at once. Gulardi, monster movies, the Beatles landed in the United States. I mean, it all happened at once. So it was it was massive change. Awesome. Like a big culture shock at once. I'll say with the Beatles coming, I mean, you know, the, that's the start of the British invasion. And then uh, all, all those, all everything, I mean, like you said, everything changed dramatically. But, I mean, I can imagine for you, I mean, discovering your horror host, the classic Universal. Well, you know, I mean, we only had we only had three television stations back in those days. Yep. So a horror host, matter of fact, when I saw Gulardi, it was years. I never thought anybody else in the, in, in the, in the country had a horror host. I thought Gulardi and the horror host thing was just a Cleveland thing. I, I didn't realize it was host in other cities. Not for years. I didn't know. There was no way to find it out. I mean, we, I, you know, we had three stations. That was it. I, I understand exactly what you're saying, because when I was growing up, there was the Baltimore station that played mm-hmm. the head ghost host, but I was also near Washington DC. So I could get channel 20. If I got the rabbit ears the right way with the aluminum foil, you know, you can get that extra yeah. station or two. And, um, and that's when I got count Gourdival and, um, count Gourdival was the funny one. The one that had a lot of humor in between the scenes. And then um, the ghost host was more, um, straightforward, you know, introduced to movie and more atmospheric. So there were different ways of doing it. So I was right. like, like yourself, I thought, these are the two. I didn't know there was like a 50 other one. Cause it, but it makes sense that every state in a sense could have their own horror host and, or, or region in that state or whatever you want to look at it. And it makes well, sense. Yeah, I, I didn't even think about it. I didn't even think about it until, you know, really I got older and I thought, wow. And this is, this was years before I ever went on TV. I just didn't realize it was hosting other cities. I don't know why I didn't think about it, but I didn't. I thought Gulardi was just a, a unique thing to Cleveland only. And, and he was, really, even though he was on in Toledo for a while. But um, I, I, didn't, I didn't know about Zachary, and I didn't know about um, Dr. Paul Bearer and people like that, and, and, and the host that was happening in Chicago, you know. Yeah. I had no, I had no clue. So what was Gulardi um, like? What was, you know, because I've never seen – his hosting ability. What was it like for you growing up? How how did he do it? Gulardi? Yeah. Well, he was, you know, he was the first guy. He was like the original hippie in Cleveland. He was the first person that would come on TV and he'd just tell you right off, you know, you know, tonight's movie is a dog. This is the worst piece of trash, no money thing, but this is all we got and this is what you're going to get. And he was the first person to cut down the newscasters and the kids TV hosts from the other channels and stuff. He wasn't afraid to say and do things. He would, people would send him models and he would blow them up with firecrackers in the studio. And I mean, he was just a wild guy and nobody ever seen anything like that before. So, and then, you know, then the science fiction movies, you know, he'd green screen himself into the movies. Sometimes he'd walk into the scene. It was, it was great fun, man. And, and like I said, and as a kid, I mean, I was like eight years old. So, you know, it was a big impact on me. I was like, wow, this is the greatest. 
never thought in a million years, in a million years, that I would ever end up having a TV show for all the 36 years. Never thought, never dreamed. I mean, most people are lucky to have it just to get a TV show. And then the extremely lucky people to have a TV show that goes on for, you know, five, 10 years. You're in the upper echelon of like luck when you're talking <laughs> multiple decades. <laughs> well, fortunately for me, the general manager of the first station I worked at, he was, he was well aware of, of all the Cleveland hosts. You know, he grew up in this area. So he watched Gilardi. He watched all the kids host. He knew exactly what I was talking about when I walked into his office. And for me, you know, I, I had already had a job at the TV station. So I was an employee and I seen this opportunity come and, and I went in and pitched it and, they gave me a shot. I'm going to say, I'm glad he did. But one, one thing I want to bring up with the Beatles invasion, you not only mm. had a love for movies and become a horror host, but you also developed a love for music and performing. Oh yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I, you know, I, I, I played bass guitar and, and I've been in numerous bands over the years and, and have a lot of fun doing that too. You know, I don't play as often as I used to. I currently have been in the studio recording uh, with some friends, the Gail Parsons band, and we got a CD coming out here real soon. I've been doing that, and uh, occasionally I'll, you know, I'll play with the Bash Boys at the Monster Bash when when they decide to have a band. I've been doing that for a number of years now with them, and that's a whole lot of fun. A lot of our, a lot of the vendors get together, and uh, we throw a makeshift band together and. We go and uh, we do about an hour set at the, at the convention, and we have a blast doing it. And I think the people enjoy it. Oh, it's fun. And in his last convention, um, Caroline Monroe joined in to sing a little bit. So you had a little a little bit of difference, a different vibe that you normally do. Oh, sweet Caroline. She, uh, yeah, it, it, was, it was a pure honor. <laughs> it was a pure honor to be up there with her. I thought that was real cool. It looked like she enjoyed herself, so that's what was really cool. I, th- I think she was enjoying it. You guys were definitely looking like you were enjoying it. And I know the, us in the crowd were, were enjoying it. So everybody was having fun with the bash boys. <laughs> well, you know what? I, I think, I think the monster bash is the, is the greatest convention in the country. And, and I think it's the most fun. Um, there's something going on all the time. I mean, from morning until night, there's something going on and cool stuff's going on. It's it's not just you know some conventions you know you know at seven o'clock or at six o'clock they close the dealer room and they tell everybody to go home, but not at Bash man you got events going on at the hotel all night it's just so much fun I've been to every Bash I think except except one I believe I was I was at the first Monster Bash and it's been and Ron Adams is just such a great guy. Looking forward to being there again. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing you again too, and uh, and enjoying it because it's just it's just like a, like you said, it's a fun atmosphere, it's a family atmosphere. There's there's stuff going on all the time, um, all the time. Ron and I did a preview episode about what's coming up in this bash already, so listeners can go back just a couple episodes ago and they can listen to that one to get an idea from you know Ron talking about all the guests that are coming to this one, like Johnny Whitaker and. Uh, was it Zandor you know, from Dracula versus? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Jackie Joseph. Um, Jackie Joseph's not going to be able to make it. Um, oh, she's not coming. She's not coming due to um, due to health reasons. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. I didn't know that. Um, yeah. Um, oh. it's, 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 but Joe Flaherty is going to be there. So it's a, so there's, it's a lot of, there's a lot of good guests, and and one of the things I enjoy about it, I'm sure you do too, for all these years. You go back there and you're revisiting old friends and getting to catch up with everybody and that and have that fun atmosphere. Oh yeah, it's just well, you know, it's like it's like a giant family reunion, you know. And you have you know twice a year, people and, and the same faces come, and it, it, it's really fun to see everybody. And it's just such a great, fun atmosphere. I I recommend if you've never been to a convention, 
you gotta go to the monster bash and PA it is you'll have a, you'll have if you're into this kind of stuff you'll have a great time it's guaranteed it, I, 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 I vouch for exactly what he said it's, if you if you like classic horror movies you, anybody you talk to will be able to you, you can have a discussion with anybody there and they'll be they'll understand what you're talking about well, you know, I say it's not the only convention I do. Now, next weekend, I'll be at the Cinema Wasteland Convention in Strongsville, Ohio. That happens uh, next uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And uh, it's, it's, that's another great convention. It's a little bit more uh, uh, 70s, 70s uh, 80s movies, kind of, you know. Yeah. They kind of tend to the, that drive-in kind of slasher kind of stuff. And they have they have guests there too, and that's been a good convention. I've been going to that for you know as many years as the Monster Bash, so it's all I'm always uh, always fun to be there. Oh, it is. It is when you have multiple ones. Now, I'm curious, how did you come up with the name? How did you get the name Son of Ghoul? Like I said, there was a, there was a, a horror host named Goulardi back in the '60s, and then in the '70s there was another character called the Ghoul who was a, uh, a a copy of Gulardi. He wore the same costume, and, you know, and, and he, he was Gulardi's male boy. And he got permission to do the character, so he went on TV. And back in the early days of the first UHF stations here in Cleveland, the ghoul came on the air like in the 71 or 72. It was on for a number of years. And then he was off, and then he came back on again a few years later. He's another one of those off and on, off for a couple of years, on for a couple of years, off. You know, switch stations. During one of his during one of his uh, stunts on TV, he decided to have the Ghoul Lookalike Contest. And he held it at uh, the Cleveland Agora, and um, it was a competition that went on for five weeks. I always had a Gallardi type ghoul costume that every once in a while I'd throw on at Halloween when I'd go out with my friends back then. We had to dress up. That's what that would be my costume. So my friends said, "Hey man, you know you ought to you ought to you ought to join you ought to join this competition." So I did, and I went up and competed for five weeks with uh, other guys who was had their costumes, and we all went on stage, and the ghoul was there, and applause by the audience chose the winner on the final week they did a tv uh channel eight did a, a news story on the ghoul and they covered this contest and i won the contest and he gave me the name son of ghoul and it's all documented on videotape so and he never dreamed that i and i didn't i didn't think at the time that i would have a tv show it was just, you know, five weeks of fun, going up to the club, doing this, and the grand prize was we got to we got to appear on his show yeah. in our costumes, which we did. And then, you know, after that, I forgot about it, and he ended up going off the air. The show ended. And a couple of years later, after that, I ended up getting a job at the TV station as a, as a board operator. And they had a host already there. And when that host quit, I thought, you know what? I think I could do this. So I changed the costume around, came up with my own costume. And uh, I presented it to, uh, like I say, the general manager. And since I was already an employee at the station, you know, I had an in. And they gave me a shot. And now it's 36 years later. What can I tell you? Yeah, I was gonna say, and not only have you been doing a great job just for lasting that long, but you've also had recognition because in 2020 you were put into the Rondo Haddon Classic Cards Award Monster Kid Hall of Fame. So you are a Hall of Famer. Yes, yes, I am. Uh, you know, you know, and I, I kind of feel like I just you know slid in there at, at the end of the of the Hall of Fame era. <laughs> I just slid in there, you know. It, don't it, it is cool. It's, it was cool. I was honored to get the award. You deserve it because you show love for the classic movies. You keep them alive. You show the love with the different skits that you do. One of the skits that I saw that you did, and actually, you're not really 
in it, but your character's in it. Somehow they put the ghoul and Godzilla, and you put them together. And I'm a Godzilla fan, so that was cool. <laughs> and, and, and what did I do? What was it? It was, was like, it Godzilla? It was like Ghoulzilla. It was like with claymation. Oh, son of all, oh, oh, the claymation thing. Yeah, that was done by uh, uh, two guys named Dave Wetzel and John Stone. He used to be one of my audio men and, and years ago on the show. They put that together, and I thought it was really neat. Son of Godzilla, yeah. Yeah, it was it was awesome because I'm, I'm a Godzilla fan, so I was just like, "Oh, this is perfect." You know, it's like, ah. you know, and they actually they actually used um, music and stuff from from the Godzilla movie. And and, and little known fact, they actually um, contacted Toho or whoever produces that, and they got permission to use that move that, that music in that bit. Really? Yes. Because Toho has always been known to be so ultra, ultra, ultra protective about everything. That's just amazing that they got that permission. And I, and they, they got permission to use, to use that music in that bit. Yeah, they did. Cool. I did not know that. Uh, that 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 is, that's impressed. That's that makes it even nicer. You know that um, Toho was able to allow that to happen. And, it, and well, I think I think I, I think the fact that 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 they went about about it in the right way and and. And they proved to Toho that, you know, this wasn't going to be no major release. This is a small little TV station. And this is just going to be a, a couple-minute bit. And, and they said, okay. So they used it. Because the music does help make that, that whole bit work. I mean, it's just. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that's the case in, in, in that's the case in, uh, in any bit. You know, that was one of the things, you know, uh, that I dug about our Cleveland host, Gerardi, was some of the backup music he used when he was reading mail and stuff. It was really this really cool stuff. Now, you know, and, and I've used some of the same stuff and, and used music that I love during all my years. But then you got a guy like Sven Gulli, who's on National, and you listen to the music that he uses, it's a bump, bump. I mean, it's just stuff that they don't have to pay for. And I, and I dig it. I understand. But I hate to be uh, under that blanket. Well, I mean, everybody's got their own, like we said, everybody's got their own little approach and to do stuff. But what have been some of your um, favorite skits or bits that you've done in the past? Uh, we did a takeoff on Batman. We called it Fat Man and Rotten. There's a couple of those that I liked. Um, you know, there's, there's a couple, and, and I did takeoffs on the Cleveland Kids host, Barnaby. I did a character called Barf a Bee. And there's, there's a couple of those that are cool. A lot of people like the Mr. Banjo bits that I do. And, you know, it, it'd be hard to say. I did. Um, we did this, uh, the Antique Junk Show, which is a takeoff on the Antiques Road Show. I thought that was a pretty good bit. It's one of my favorites. Well, that's the one with the, um, the Dutch boy, the Dutch blue boy. And yes. 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 I like that one. I like, excuse me? I said, I like that one. I saw it. You know, so that was one of the ones. I okay, saw. cool. Yeah, I like that one. You know, the stuff is loaded online. I've never put anything online. So everybody else puts his name. They record it and put it online. I've never put anything on. Isn't that crazy? Well, I mean, some people just want to make sure other people get a chance to see it. And and speaking of that, how can people see your show? Well, I'm on this uh, local Canton, Ohio station, broadcast station, WIVM, channel 39. And um, if you're in the Northeastern Ohio area, you can get it over the air. It's on cable. And they also stream worldwide over the internet at um, www.wivmtv.com. Or you can go to my website, www.sonofghoul.net. And uh, hit on the live stream and I'm on Sunday nights, every Sunday, Eastern Time, 
It, uh, right now, because of high school football, they got me slotted at, at a really early time slot. I'm on at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, 4 to 6, throughout high school football. Then by Halloween, when high school football's over, I go to my normal time slot, 8 p.m. every Sunday night. And it streams over the Internet. It don't cost nothing. Just climb on in and check it out. There's even a chat room, so... People can talk to each other over the net. It's kind of cool. Well, that makes it nice. And I'll, I'll put the I'll put your website on the um, the show notes. If listeners, you can click on it, and it'll take you right to his web page. And that way, probably, it sounds like the easiest way for people that aren't in the area to get to it would be go right to your website. Right. Cool. Thanks. Now you talked about a CD that you have coming up soon. Do you have Do you have other music that's out? Oh no, no, we. Uh... We're, we're, we got, we've got a little bit more work to do on it. N- nothing right at the moment, but I'll let you know uh, when that happens. Oh, cool. And we're talking about how classic Universal Monster movies was your gateway in to this when you were a young lad. Uh, mm. So what are some of your favorite movies? Like, you know, like if you were to, if you were to talk to somebody that, that has an eight-year-old or a nine-year-old, whatever, around your age, what would be the movie or a couple of movies that you would think this would be a good one to show them to get them the idea of what that, that whole life, that whole um, history is about? Well, you know, definitely Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein. And, and one thing I liked about the universals is they kind of all connect, you know, in, in a sense, you can watch them in order they were made and they all kind of connect in a way. I thought that was kind of cool, but definitely Frankenstein and the Bride of Frankenstein is my favorite, my personal favorite. I think I think a lot of people say it's James Whale's best film, so it's um you know and, and, and just love it. And you know, I mean, and I like the creature of the Black Lagoon, and, I, and that was one of the that's one of the joys I got to meet uh, and hang out with Ben Chapman, who was uh, the on land creature in the very first movie. And uh, got to know him pretty good, and he was a great guy. I really miss him. Yeah, I never got to meet him. I started coming to Monster Bash a lot later than you did, and I have been been able to, fortunate enough to meet several times Rico Browning, who was the yes the the in the, the water creature, the creature when he was in the water. Right. And uh, well, I was really lucky. Uh, I've got I own. One of my hobbies is collecting 16 millimeter sound film. Mm-hmm. And I own a print of the creature, the Black Lagoon. And I'm fortunate enough on the reels of the film, I have Ben Chapman's autograph, Julia Adams' autograph, and Rico's autograph all on the reels. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so that's kind of a, that's a cool thing. That, that definitely, that, that, that definitely is ultra cool. I mean, I'm just, I'm just. I'm 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 tap I'm I'm tipping my hat to you because though you can't see it because we're doing this over the phone, but it's just, <laughs> <laughs> but it's just amazing you know when you get a chance to meet because you were able to meet a whole bunch of different people at the different monster bashes, and oh you know that and and throughout the history of the show I've met a lot of rock and roll celebrities, was fortunate enough to be able to hang out with a lot of them and become friends with them and. I've really been fortunate with that. So what are some of the rock and roll celebrities that you got to, that, you know, become friends with or hang around with? Well, I was, I was, well, my number one, I was really, I was good friends with Stevie Ray Vaughan. Mm. I mean, we weren't, we weren't, you know, but, but, but when he would come to town, I had such a friendship with him that I would never have to ask for tickets. There would always be tickets at will call and backstage passes for me. I seen him about 18 times and I was backstage with him 16 of the 18. He was really a great guy. And I had a rock and roll. I, I, I met some of my rock and roll guitar heroes. I met Robin Trower, um, the great blues player, Chris Duarte. I've met Buddy Guy, um, Kenny Wayne Shepard, Joe Satriani. I mean, I, I, I'm really fortunate in being able to, a bad company. I mean, I interviewed the band Bad Company, Blue Oyster Cult, 
And uh, there's been so many Gary Lewis from Gary Lewis and the Playboys. A, a lot, a lot of old uh, '60s bands. It was, it was fun being able to do all that stuff. Man. I mean, and it was great. And I got to do a lot of things that I would never thought I would ever get to do for for nine years. And I was on Channel 67. I got to be a co-host on the local part of the Jerry Lewis Telephone, and that was like live TV. So. What would happen is we'd carry the telephone, and when they'd go back to the local segment, which would be on for 10 or 15 minutes every hour, I'd be a part of that. Mm-hmm. You know, So I, I got the experience of doing that, so it was really cool. And uh, one year, they gave us a citation of merit at the end of the year when I got done doing the telephone, and it's like a congratulations, and it's got a rubber stamp of Jerry Lewis's name that was on it. And that year, Jerry came to Cleveland and he was, and he did nightclub acts. He appeared at this one supper club. So I went and I bought tickets for my girlfriend and myself. And we went, we went to see the show. And I took my citation of merit with me that was presented to me by the local muscular dystrophy people. And so I took the coaster of my drink. And I wrote, Dear Jerry, I've been a telephone co-host for nine years. How about an authentic autograph? And, and I think I put the station call letters and stuff down. So I called the waitress over and I said, I said, hey, sweetie, I said, could you possibly take this back backstage and see if you could get Jerry to sign this? And she goes, well, she says, I can take it back there. She goes, but I can't guarantee you anything. And you're going to have to wait till the end of the night when the place starts clearing out and I won't be able to bring it back to you until then. And I said, okay, fine. So I gave it to her and she takes it backstage. And uh, we watched the show. Jerry was fantastic that night. He still had his health about him and, and it, it was great. So we watched the show. We ate dinner, the whole shop. Lights came on. People started filing out. And pretty soon I see the waitress coming towards me and she's carrying my citation and mirror in her hands. And she walks up to me and she says, I am so sorry, but Mr. Lewis just is not signing anything tonight. And I looked at her and I said, well, thanks a lot for trying. I really appreciate it. And she handed it to me and I looked and it was signed. And I looked up at her and she goes, he told me to say it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Isn't that cool? That is cool, and he got you too. That was, and, and she followed through. <laughs> oh yeah, well, you know what are you gonna do? But I have, I have a real Jerry Lewis autograph. And I was always, I always liked Jerry, even though I guess his uh, personal, uh, personal life was a little questionable. But who, who am I to judge? Yeah, it's it's always hard. It's always easy for people to say, you know, people should do this and that. But if we've all have quirks about us. Oh yeah. I mean, but that was just, that, that's my Jerry Lewis story. That, that is a great story. And <laughs> I'm just like, you know, that, that, that's the good part. I love, I love talking to people because everybody's got these stories, but sometimes they don't share them and, you, and, and then people lose them, you know, when the person goes away or forgets it or whatever, it's nice that we have this recorded you know, and that kind of stuff, so people can hear it. And and because I'm, no, I know there's Jerry Lewis fans out there that are going to get a kick out of that. Yeah, but I'm going to get a kick out of seeing you again this October, 15th through the 17th, at the Monster Bash. You're going to be there as a vendor, um, and stuff like that. But you also are going to be doing, I guess, the more um, music with the Bash Boys. No, no, we're not. We're not playing this time. Oh, you're not playing this time. No, but I will be. Uh... I will be doing, uh, I'll be a, a uh, celebrity on uh, the Bash match game. I'll be doing that. And uh, I guess I got an 11 p.m. slot um, hosting Three Stooges on uh, Saturday night. So I got an 11 p.m. slot. And I host uh, morning cartoons Saturday morning. We have cereal and cartoons. I have some. Uh, uh, 16 millimeter cartoons we show in the theater 
And then Sunday morning, I'm also hosting a, a Little Rascals. So I'm doing that this time. But Ron, yeah, Ron decided not to do the band this time. I guess we got so much going with with uh, the celebrities and stuff that he didn't have time for it this time. Well, it sounds like you're going to be extremely busy as it is. So it's I will be there, yes. I'll be there collecting money. Bring lots. <laughs> <laughs> That's always told. I said, I said, bring cash. People come in and say, do you take credit cards? Said, no. Don't take credit cards. You kidding? Bring cash. Makes it more fun for everybody that way. Yes, that's one of the things I, I learned years ago when going to conventions is a lot of the celebrities and everything with autographs and stuff like that, and a lot of the dealers all all like dealing in um, the physical the, you know, the stuff, the cash. They don't like going into that, that virtual stuff with credit or other stuff. It's just... It's nice. Well, it's too much hassle. Yeah, you know, it's just it's just too, it's too much hassle. But you know, again, though, so it's like Rod Adams, you know, you can buy DVDs off of him. He's all set up for that. You can, you know, he can swipe your credit card, and it's it, it just like going to the store. And he's all set up for that kind of stuff. But I am not. Well, you know, you got you know, everybody's got to do what they got to do, and just bring us uh, cut diamonds and. Uh, <laughs> In, in large bills. <laughs> Would you take gold? <laughs> you know, every once in a while, there's one guy that comes up to me, and he's always at Monster Bash, and he'll buy some DVDs off of me, and he always pays me in those gold silver dollars that was out a few years back. I mean, I mean, if he buys $30 of stuff off of me, say, he'll give me, you know, 30 Gold, silver dollars. He always does it. I mean, he has a never-ending supply of those things. That is just good and weird at the same time. Like how somebody has well, much of it. I, 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 I'm always surprised, you know, and and I, I never recognize him until he starts pulling out those silver dollars. And I go, "Oh, it's you." You know, I I can't keep track of all the people that I've you know, sold stuff to over the years or got to meet and come up to the table. And so. Well, we'll say. Now you, are you, are you going to be there all three days? Yes. I'm going to be there all three oh. days. Oh, um, good. I'm looking forward to it. I'm actually, I'll actually be there um, the day before. So I'll arrive on a uh, Thursday and leave on a uh, Friday. I mean, sorry, Monday, leave on Monday. Um, so I'll be there like, for the three days, but also that Thursday night when uh, Jeffrey's playing some movies overnight. Oh, yes. Oh, Jeffrey, the best projectionist. He's the best projectionist in the world. And, and one of the nicest people ever. I mean, it's just. Oh. Yeah, no doubt about it, man. He's just, a, he's always been a joy to work with. And uh, again, the Monster Bash family is, 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 is some of the best. It's out there. It doesn't get any better than the Monster Bash family. And that's that's a fact. All right, man. Anything else you need? No, I was going to say, thanks for the interview. And um, I really enjoyed having you on the show to talk about your show, the Son of Ghoul show. And well, I hope I made some sense out of some of the crap I said. Don't take things too seriously. I I try to be friendly with everybody and all those hosts out there. More power to you, you know. Go do it. That's right. And and thanks again. And I'm I'm looking forward to seeing you um in just a, a short period of time, just a few weeks. Okay, and to all your listeners out there, group, bolt your windows and lock your doors because the son of gold is coming for you. We'll see you at the bash. I hope everybody enjoyed the interview with the son of gold. Uh, like I said, I'm going to be interviewing other horror hosts as time goes by, like Dragon Clarita and uh, Mr. Lobo and people like that. So they'll be coming out down the road. Also, to let people know, again, episode 22 is my interview with Bill Diamond, who's going to be at the Minute Lynn. I'm not the Minute Monster Bash. I'm so used to thinking of both the same, but Monster Bash. Jeremy Ambler, episode 120, if you want to hear more about him. If you want to hear more about this coming Monster Bash, episode 124 of Ron Adams. And as the episodes get closer, we're going to have the interview with David The Rock Nelson and Johnny Whitaker. Otherwise, 
Hope everybody enjoyed it. If you have any feedback, please email us at diecastmoviepodcast at gmail.com, diecastmoviepodcast at gmail.com, or leave us a message on our Facebook page. And if you want to be nice, please you know feel free to share the episode around so people can know more about the podcast. I don't charge, I don't ask for any money, any of that stuff. All I ask is if you enjoy it, share it, spread the word. And speaking of spreading the word, let's listen to the promo for this coming Monster Bash. And I hope everybody enjoys their day. Bye. Classic monster movie fans from across the nation have their sights set on Monster Bash. This October 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2022, it's the gathering of fans and professionals from every state for the event of a lifetime. It's a celebration of horror and science fiction films with a special spotlight on the greatest horror comedies of all time, like Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. Hold on to your hats. Look at this guest of honor lineup. Ron Chaney, grandson of Lon Chaney. From the cult classic, Dracula vs. Frankenstein. Dracula himself, Sandor Vorkov. SCTV's Count Floyd, Joe Flaherty. From Family Affair and the mystery in Dracula's castle, Johnny Whitaker. Zombie walker, Jeremy Ambler. From AMC's hit TV show, The Walking Dead. Monster Muppeteer, Emmy Award-winning Bill Diamond. TV horror host, Son of Ghoul, Drac, and Countess Corita, and more. Meet and chat with all the guests. Enjoy an almost non-stop film festival, life-size monsters, and shop over 100 vendor tables of the rarest monster movie collectibles, monster magazines, DVDs, Blu-rays, T-shirts, and everything classic monsters. Quick, get on board with monster movie fans from across the nation at Monster Bash, October 14th through the 16th, 2022, at the Marriott Pittsburgh North. Autumn's creepy classic festival of stars, vendors, and fans just like you. Get all the details right now at monsterbash.us. That's monsterbash.us. Or call 724-238-4317.